All right, so we're back here on a special Couch Coach Live. We're starting a five-part series, a um, college football Power Five recap. And, of course, I had to bring my guy Zach from the Blue Bloods podcast back. What's going on, Zach? Not much, man. Just happy to be back. We covered all these conferences. They all got canceled. Now we had the season so we can finally recap them. I know, and it's funny because – and it's and it, and I always find it funny, like when we did the Pac-12 preview last year. Well, not well. Oh, it is last year. Yeah, I mean, last no, year. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> Calendar-wise, as well. We did that. We did that on a Saturday. And then what? Two or three days later, that's when they canceled, canceled. the Pac-12 and the Big Ten because we didn't do a Big mm-hmm. Ten one because it was canceled until you know it wasn't announced until after we did you know after the pretty much. In the middle of uh, most people's seasons, that's when right. you know these two conferences came back to um to play. So, yeah, man. So definitely, like you said, that was and that was one of the biggest question marks. Even when we did the the Pac-12 preview, was the uncertainty. We because I think at that time we were even thinking because remember they was having that meeting that Sunday. All Power Five mm-hmm. conferences were going to have a meeting, and that was kind of like you know people were, you know having rumors of cancellations. Because I think at that time the Mac was canceled. I think yeah. when we were actually on air. Oh no, mm-hmm. it was a few. I mean, a few hours before we before we went live, and you look at that and it was like, right. I, this this has been a it's been a very rocky year, and even to everything, even the whole championship. Like even Ohio State and Alabama, that was people in certain camps saying, "Well, I don't think Ohio State's going to um, be able to, you know, as far as you know, as far as their COVID." protocols and people at that time we were thinking we're, we're going to miss the game and right then you know uh papa bear saving daughter popping off <laughs> in the mouth on twitter and so, <laughs> so I mean, she, she she wasn't wrong she just shouldn't have said it publicly but right. I mean, after watching the game i feel like maybe we have a different take on that but i mean <laughs> I, feel, I feel like a not enough people well because i feel like you get a lot of these national pundits on TV. They always want to be politically correct. They want to be on the right side of history. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're talking enough about how much credit the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC should really be getting right now. Because if they wouldn't have stuck by their guns, listened to the doctors within those conferences, we wouldn't be having recaps right now. And they were willing to put their public persona on the line when everybody in this country – on both sides of the aisle, on ev- every political person, every sports analyst was saying that we had Max Kellerman on first take saying that Southern people are stupid because we wanted to play college football. And look what happened now. And the SEC's got a national championship because of it. I don't think there's enough credit given to those three conferences for really sticking together. And you look at what they did. But we had Pac-12 teams, uh, man, that played three games because of their COVID protocols. We had Big Ten teams play six games out of their season, a.k.a. Ohio State, until they, you know, got to the championship. I mean, there was so that there was not an SEC or ACC team that played less than 10 games this year. And I don't think enough people are talking about that. I think those conferences handled it so well. And I think they need to get more credit in terms of getting this season, you know, through the year. Yeah. And, and that was a good thing about, those and it was funny because when we talked about the Pac-12 and then because Pac-12 was in November mm-hmm. and we were kept and it's funny because I looked at them and then uh, Big Ten came back with October the seventeenth 
Oh, no, yep. it was the 24th. 24th. Yeah, uh, yes, 24th. And I thought to myself, like, they don't have any room for error. Right. The other teams, because, you know, we look at the ACC, the Big the Big 12, they have room to kind of have situations where, okay, it, and, that, and that was another thing, too, that helped, you know, the, the timing of it, where they mm-hmm. were able to kind of, in essence, adjust on the fly. Like, you know, they have games that was canceled. Well, okay, well, we have so many open dates in between that we can yep. kind of, you know, get everything together. And then you actually add that extra two weeks, you know, between, because it used to be what December 5th would have been, was supposed to be yeah. the conference championship games. And then you kind of um, go to December 19th. So that kind of helped as well. So, right, yeah, man, it was a definitely, definitely, um, you know, just how everything kind of ended and just how everything just actually worked out. It In, in a weird, bizarre way, it all worked out. You know, we got it yeah, yeah. I, I can't believe it happened, you know, with the national championship issue. I remember we were doing an episode live when all those reports came out. And I was like, man, if they have to push back the national championship, I think Nick Saban's going to end up going to jail for committing murder on somebody. He was going to be upset if his team can't play. And, you know, I, the Pac-12 got rid of their commissioner. Uh, they fired him which was needed because he handled this terribly. And I'm looking for the big 10. When are you going to make a move here? Because that upper management, you had parents storming your headquarters to try to play. You said it wasn't possible. You said you weren't changing your decision. And then you had a team go to the national championship and you were breaking your own rules that you said you want changed to get your team to the national championship. And so I'm looking at Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the big T- the Big Ten, wondering, are you going to take any accountability or are you just going to say, hey, we got lucky here? Like, what's going on? So I think the Pac-12 and Big Ten are going to make some big changes in terms of, like, upper management because of some of their decisions. Yeah. And, and and you know, and it's funny that we, st- we start the recaps with Pac-12, like you said. Yeah. This was the conference that started in November and essentially pretty much – Quiet as kept had no shot at at, at a at a college football chance. playoff or anything. So, um, so my question, you know, first thing, you know, before we uh, do the recap, so who was the MVP of the uh, Pac-12? Uh, I mean, I got one on offense, one on defense, just because it's not fair to really compare across sides of the ball. It's so hard to be a DB and win the MVP, but they come from the same school, and it's not the school anybody probably expected. Um, you got to start the player of the year in the Pac-12 is Jared Broussard, running back out of Colorado, first ever year playing running back for the Buffs. This kid absolutely dominated. He was the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. He was number one in rush attempts, rushing yards, and yards from scrimmage, was top five in rushing touchdowns. He's the first player since Adrian Peterson to rush for 100 yards in his first four games in college football. He had a 300-yard rushing game this season with 155 in one quarter, which set the school record for that. He was the first Colorado player to win this MVP award, and he's only 5'9". And this was his first ever year playing running back. 5'9", 185. He was tough to bring down. He showed versatility. He was explosive. He was fast, physical. I'm looking for Broussard to actually probably lead the league in rushing next year in terms of the country. I mean, this kid was a baller from start to start. And people people are like Colorado. People forget they were undefeated until the last week of the Pac-12 season. This was a team that had a chance to go play for the Pac-12 championship if the game against USC wasn't canceled. 
So this was a very, very underrated team, and Jarrett Broussard is the big reason why on offense. And in terms of defense, you look at Carson Wells, their senior linebacker on that team. He would be my pick to be MVP, but he was not a Pac-12 All-American, man. And I don't understand why. I think he was the biggest snub here. He led the Pac-12 in tackles for loss. In six games, man, he had 16 tackles for loss. That was second in the entire country, even compared to SEC schools that played 15 games. He was second in the country. He was second in sacks with six and a half sacks. He had four pass breakups as a middle linebacker, and this was all in only six games. 37 tackles on top of that. He was averaging three tackles for loss a game, and he should be a player to watch if he decides to you know, use that extra year of eligibility the NCAA gave. But Broussard and Wells are a huge reason why Colorado shocked a lot of people this year. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I know we talked about in the preseason, we looked at Oregon as kind of essentially yep. the class of this division or mm-hmm. of, of this conference. And, yeah, and like you said, Colorado <laughs> out of nowhere. I mean, they were sitting, they were sitting at three and oh, it was like week three of their season. And we had we covered one of their games on the podcast. And Brandon was like, Did you just say three and oh? I was like, They are three and oh. And he was like, All right, that makes sense, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? And that's safe. That's what that's what that's the beauty of college football, where you know, these it. guys just come out of come out of nowhere. So, um, and that's perfect segue. So who was the biggest surprise in this conference? Um, I'm go, I'm stick teams here because there were just, just so many players you could cover, and you got to start with Colorado at one. Just the team in general. This is their first winning season since 2016. They started the season four and zero. It was their first ever three and zero conference start in Pac-12 school history. Their head coach Car- Carl Durrell was the Pac-12 coach of the year. This is the first coach to win it in their first season as a head coach since Chip Kelly in 09 when he was at Oregon. He's actually won this award twice. He was the interim coach back in 05 at UCLA, and he still won this award, and he tied with Pete Carroll. That shows you how, how good this guy is at coaching. And you look at the players. Jarrett Broussard and Nate Landman were both first-team All-Pac-12. They had four second-team Pac-12 selections, along with six honorable mentions, which was some of the most in the Pac-12. They had the player of the year in Jarrett Broussard. This team was coming off back-to-back five and seven seasons. They had This was their third head coach in three years, man. And they came out here and almost got a chance to play for the Pac-12 championship. They only had two preseason All-Americans, and they were a unanimous pick by Athlon Sports to finish last in the Pac-12. And they finished, you know, they lost to Texas in the bowl game, but they finished the regular season with one loss. They played unified. They were athletic. They were they played dominating football. And I think they're next year they have a lot of players returning, almost this entire team. They'll be a dark horse next year, and I was very, very impressed with Colorado. And I want to give you an unconventional one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Oregon in terms of biggest surprise. I know I came on here. I said they could compete for a national championship. The next week, they lost their senior safety, Brady uh, Brady Barisi, who was the Rose Bowl MVP. They lost Javon Holland, the number one rated DB by Pro Football Focus coming into the season. Thomas Graham another DB who started 39 games and had 40 pass breakups in those 39 games. They lost Panay which all of us know, number one offensive lineman in this coming draft class. All that 
Plus, their starting running back gets hurt this year, C.J. Verdell, and they lose their five-star linebacker, Justin Flo, to injury in the second game of the season. All that, and you got to replace Justin Herbert, who we now see what he can do in terms of talent. You had to replace all that talent, man. They start the season 3-0, and get a chance to play for the Pac-12 title due to a COVID outbreak at Washington, and they win it. They win it on short notice over a dominant USC team. The Pac-12 freshman of the year was Panay Suel's brother, true freshman Noah Suel, who plays linebacker. Four first and second team all Pac-12 selections, eight honorable mentions, and I don't think Mario Cristobal gets enough credit for what's in that background on this live stream right now is them winning the Pac-12 title. The fact that they lost all this talent to the draft, to opt-outs, to COVID, to injuries, and still found a way to win, I don't know how they did it, man. And that's what, that was me and who was the biggest – Oregon fan coming into the season. I don't know how they did it. Yeah. And like I said, going back to Colorado's point where essentially you look at, because that's another team that I thought, especially because Mel Tucker left pretty much what you I would call like in the middle of the night. (laughs) Right. So that's another thing where that was kind of a shock that he, even though we, you know, the thing about it is just, this is how it happens. We think, you know, um, you know, Michigan State job was going to open up. Well, we kind of thought, but, yeah. you know, that's the end of them. But once they open up and then Mel Tucker kind of sneaks out in the middle of the night, yeah. <laughs> essentially, especially out, out, of, out of nowhere. And I, I don't know if a lot of people know this. I mean, Colorado was on the upswing. Like, uh, even though they were five and seven, people said, OK, if Mel Tucker gets another one or two recruiting classes, this team could be balling. And then it was just like he left for I know Michigan State sounds great, guys. Michigan State hasn't been anything recently. Since that playoff loss to Alabama, that program is not a great program. So I'm not even going to sit here and say that he left for a better job because I think you have a better chance of competing at Colorado than you do Michigan State having to play Ohio State, Michigan. And look at what Indiana is. I was up there. Wisconsin, Minnesota was was a potential playoff team last year. I don't think anybody really and truly can look me in the face and say Michigan State was a better job than Colorado. Yeah, and yeah, that was yeah, that was kind of a shocker, like to me. Yeah, yeah, that whole that whole dynamic. So, who was the breakout player in the Pac-12 this year? Mm. This one comes with a heavy heart. I got one offense and one defense, and you know, I promised myself, even on our podcast, I would not have a Pac-12 recap without mentioning this kid's name, and that's Todd Jordan from Utah who sadly passed away just a few yeah. weeks after the season, man. And I just want to say, starting off, man, my thoughts and prayers still go out to his family, the team, everything. And I, I don't think you could talk about the Pac-12 this season without addressing this kid. He was the freshman offensive player of the year. He was one of the, in my opinion, one of the best freshmen in the country. And if if you didn't appreciate this kid, you know, before that tragic passing, you need to go back and watch highlights and really appreciate what he brought to the field because in, in only five games, man, he rushed for 600 yards, six touchdowns, and had over 700 all-purpose yards. He was second in the Pac-12 in rush yards per attempt with 7.2 per carry. That is that is elite for a true freshman. And he was top five in the Pac-12 in rushing yards, touchdowns, yards from scrimmage, uh, total touchdowns, touchdowns from scrimmage. He was second in the country, man, across all conferences in freshman all-purpose yards per game with over 140. The kid balled out every time he went on the field. 
And he was one of the most dynamic athletes in the Pac-12 and was primed to take the world by storm. And it's just such a sad uh, thing to talk about, man. But you you got you to gotta cover this kid when you talk about the Pac-12 this year. And in terms of defense, man, I think you got to go with uh, Talanoa Hufanga from USC. He was – he won uh, the Pac-12, uh, the Pat Tillman Defensive Player of the Year award in the Pac-12, and you, they don't give that award to just anybody. I mean, this—he was the first player to win it since Adoree Jackson. Everybody knows Adoree Jackson. He's been gone a long time, so it's been a minute since this happened. He was—he led the Pac-12 in solo tackles, led it in interception and return yards. He was third in total tackles, third in forced fumbles, eighth in sacks as a safety. Uh, against UCLA, he had 17 tackles. In that game, that was that was two straight years where he had 17 or more tackles in the biggest game of the year. That shows you this kid can ball. He's officially declared for the draft, and so I think he's going to be a high safety on any team's draft board. But those two players really, really broke out for me this season. Yeah, big time, big time. So we talk about breakouts. Your biggest disappointments, <laughs> and well, I, I think you could just uh, you could almost put the Pac-12 itself as a big as the biggest disappointment man i mean really and truly with how they handled everything but in terms of teams i'm going to go with arizona state um i know i came on here and we talked we talked Jaden daniels we talked um herm edwards we talked about this whole program that they uh they have um oh man i'm blanking out on his name the uh hugh jackson is on that staff now as a defensive coordinator they got nfl dudes in that building that kids are going to want to play for. And that's why they're recruiting at a higher level. They only played four games due to COVID, but they started 0-2 where they blew second half leads in the final minute. They lost a one-point game to USC, which they should have won, and a seven-point game against UCLA. Uh, and only two all-Pac-12 selections is disappointing to me because one was a punter. So I don't even know if that really counts for anything in terms of like, yeah, we have a good team. And Jaden Daniels was a preseason All-American, was not a postseason All-American. He didn't take that next step forward. He passer efficiency, which is important, was the only stat he ranked in the top six in the Pac-12. That's not what I want from my starting quarterback if I expect to win Pac-12 championships. I need to see Daniels take that next step. Their starting wide receiver, Frank Darby, injuries, inconsistency really hurt him. They just didn't have the depth at wide receiver to put up points against anybody important. And I want to think that Herm Edwards should have this team better in close game situations in a shortened season. I would think Herm Edwards and the staff had the best opportunity to get a Pac-12 title because they have the most experience on that coaching staff. And they just failed to deliver, man. I think they fell way way short on expectations on this season yeah like you said you know yeah that was yeah that was really interesting that and then you know then the crazy win against arizona that essentially put Sumlin out the door uh well he should have been gone a long time that dude the fact that he got a job after what I mean, you had Johnny Manziel, man, and you're going to the P- and you're going to the Chick Fil A Bowl. Right. Come on, man. And I, I, I have the I have so much respect for Herm Edwards as a coach and as a person, and I want him to succeed. And if anyone's going to win something at Arizona State, when you have Hugh Jackson, Herm Edwards, you have former NFL coaches as position coaches. The Pac-12 is wide open, man. Outside of UC USC and Oregon. 
that is that you that third place is you can compete there and I do want to say they're recruiting very well this recruiting cycle they have a top 50 class again so they could be on that swing but unless you, you know this man if you don't have a quarterback you're not winning anything in college football right you can just wrap it up you can pack it up and head home because if you don't have a quarterback you're done. I mean, look at the playoff teams. Like, look at the quarterbacks that we had there. Ian Book, Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. All those guys are going to be playing on Sunday. Yeah. In some capacity. I mean, Ian Book and Mac Jones might be backups, but they're going to be drafted somewhere. And Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields arguably probably going top five. And yeah. you got to have a quarterback. And speaking of quarterbacks, disappointment, man. This is going to sound crazy. I know they made it. I know they were undefeated almost the whole season. USC, to me, is a disappointment. This year, I mean, if I told you a team, just blank teams off the top of your head, they have a top three coach in the conference, the number one quarterback in the conference, the best wide receiving core, multiple defensive All-Americans, but they still didn't win the championship and they lost to a team that lost like eight starters to opt out. And you're like, how did that happen? And they faced that team shorthanded and on a less a less than a week's notice and they lost. You would say, OK, who was the head coach? And what happened to that team. And that's how I feel about USC. They had a great regular season. They, they beat Arizona state by one point. They had a four, 14 point fourth quarter comeback against Arizona. But for me, this was actual championship or bust for USC. You had Oregon lose their whole team to opt outs. Arizona state was down. UCLA, uh, say what you want about chip Kelly. They, they aren't there yet. Colorado had injuries down the stretch. There was nobody there for you to have to, really face Washington had a first year head coach. There was no reason for USC not to win the Pac-12 this year, man. And for me, I think I think they have to be at least a small disappointment to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, USC, they're right. When you talk about because really and and those opt-outs, like I said, those are like guys who will be playing on Sundays. So exactly. you know you lose that type of production and then also still get that win, you know, that is, you know, like like you said. Perfect opportunity for USC to strike, uh, strike that situation big time. Especially with Oregon, also their head coach was a candidate for like four jobs at that time, and they thought he was leaving for Auburn going into that game. I mean, all all the Auburn insider boards they were like, "Go watch your new head coach coaching the Pac-12 championship," <laughs> and there was a rumor that's still out there that he had an agreement to come to Auburn, but when he got the Pac-12 championship bid. He, he rescinded it and wanted to stay at Oregon because of that. So that program was going through so much, man, and you couldn't pull it. I mean, Keaton Slovis played the worst game of his career that night. And shorthanded, uh, on a short notice, Oregon looked like the more physical. They looked like the better team. They looked faster. They looked stronger, everything. And I just don't know how you do that when, on paper, you have all the best athletes on the field and you still choke it away year after year. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's it is something. But um, so what brings to my to the final question of the recap? So what are you looking for in twenty twenty one and the power and the uh, Pac twelve? Man, I'm so excited for next year in the Pac twelve. I mean, you have so many storylines to look to, and just some of the 
teams and players and storylines to watch. I mean, you've got UCLA is returning Dorian Thompson Robinson again at quarterback. Can Chip Kelly finally get something going over there? They're returning Felton at running back. They have so many players returning, and that was one of the most that's one of the most fun teams to watch on TV with that offense that Chip Kelly has. He's finally got some speed in there. Can he make that? Can he take that next step and compete for the Pac-12? Like I just said, you got Arizona State. They're returning everybody. I mean, everyone was a sophomore on that team. They all should be coming back. They got a top 50 recruiting class coming in. What can Herm Edwards do if we get a real offseason this year? Can he finally turn Jaden Daniels into that franchise-type quarterback that he needs? And then, of course, you got USC and Oregon, man. That is going to come down to them again, most likely. Can Keaton Slovis win the Heisman? He should have one of the best odds in the country to win the Heisman. And that USC team, there's no more excuses for Clay Helton. He was on the hot seat. He got to the Patchwell Championship and lowered that heat. He got smacked in the Patchwell Championship. So that heat's turned up a little bit. If he can't win it next year, I think if you're USC, you, you might have to look elsewhere. In terms of Mario Cristobal in Oregon, I just listed all the opt-outs. All those young guys got a year under their belt now. They're going to be more experienced. Tyler Shaw, another year at quarterback. Man, I couldn't imagine because right when he was starting to play as Oregon's quarterback, they pushed back the season. J Justin Herbert's out there throwing 35 touchdowns in the NFL, and he's like, I got to live up to that. Like, that's, that's, that's real tough. So I think the pressure got to him this year. I think he'll be better next year. Um, all those true freshmen they had starting on the back end will be better. And I think a dark horse man, Washington. They should have been in the Patchwell Championship this year. They have a new coach after Chris Peterson retired. Can they take that next step? Can they get back and have a rightful shot at winning the Pac-12 championship? I think you got teams that can really compete. Do I think they have a playoff team in there? It's going to come down to whether Oregon and USC, where they are in the preseason poll. But as of right now, man, I think that top's too tough. So I think the Pac-12, they're playing for a Rose Bowl bid right now. And I think that's about the ceiling it is. If USC goes undefeated, they could get a shot. But – Man, looking at look, we'll get to the you know the what to look for in the other conferences. I just think there are some teams that look like they could be legendary right now. Yeah. So yeah. So this puts a bow on the Pac-12 recap. So we're doing a five-part series. So we're gonna um we're gonna run it back on Monday. So we'll talk about the Big Twelve on Monday. That'll be at seven o'clock Central Time, eight o'clock Eastern Standard Time. So stick yep. around for that as well. So before we uh, conclude, Zach, where can they find you on social media? Man, uh, I'm a co-host for the Blue Bloods uh, CFB podcast. You can find us on Twitter at the underscore Blue Bloods. I mean, that's on Instagram. On Twitter, it's at the underscore underscore Blue Bloods. Facebook at the Blue Bloods pod. Look up the Blue Bloods on YouTube. You can find us there. Podcasts available everywhere. You can find me at Zach McKinnell. My co-host, B-Dub, you can find him at, at B-Dub from The Hub on Twitter. Go follow us. Go follow the Blue Bloods. Make sure to listen to us and Couch Coach Live. Um, and, yeah, you can find us all there, man. And I am looking forward to the rest of these conferences. Yeah, so, you know, like we said, the Pac-12. Well, yeah, we did the Pac-12 today. Monday, the Big 12. So we'll talk about those teams. That's going to be another interesting um, recap as well. So for Zach and his coach. Catch you guys on Monday.